I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English Lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow Lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. All right, welcome everybody to Lit and Libations. Hi, Sadie. Hi, Audra. Uh, you look beautiful, by the way. I meant to say that earlier. Oh, I mean, my God. You, you always do, but <laughs> thank you. You're, you're particularly glowing. Well, today thanks. I showered. <laughs> oh, always, I love that. Like, I'll see people and they're like, "Oh, did you get your hair done?" Or did, I'm like, "No, I just, you know, got clean and put yeah. effort." <laughs> I mean, it particularly happens at the barn where most people are like, "I mean, you know, yeah. it's a big difference yeah. when yeah. you're when you're." In- not filthy or sweaty or gross. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do shower. We are we are clean people, but I'm just, yeah, you look yeah. you look great. Thank the nice you. thing about us doing this podcast is you can just roll up in whatever. I know that's <laughs> it so really true. Matter. That's so true. Which it's, is really nice because it's not a, it's not a YouTube crazy. it's not a YouTube podcast. This is audio only. So oh my gosh, yeah, <laughs> no, I couldn't handle it. Um, well, I'm really excited to keep discussing Cassandra at the wedding. I really I just enjoyed this book so much. Um, it was great. And I'm excited because I think we talked about last time. There's lots of different, it's kind of had this resurgence and it sounds yeah. like there's going to be films and different things with it. And I am just really excited. I'm too. Um, it's quite a phenomenon. Yeah, we, like the way that yeah. this had a resurgence It's is very interesting to me. Like how, these older books like come back. I don't know because usually like we think of like our classics as being kind of fixed, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. of these older books that we consider quote unquote classics. And like I said, they're fixed. It's like once you're a classic, you're always a classic or if you didn't make the cut, if you weren't a classic already, you're not going to miss the boat. Yeah. But this like this book doesn't feel like that. This book feels like a classic to me already. And I hope it does. That it, and it, but it, it yet it's so status. fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, so funny and so poignant. Mm-hmm. And yeah, well, we can, we can keep going in on it. Um, why don't you remind everybody what our next book is? Yes. So our next book is the first YA book that we'll be covering on the podcast. And it is The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. So, and I can already um, tell you, yeah. this is like a must read. So um, pick up your copy. Re- uh, it's, it's definitely an important one to read, I think. Really? Yeah. I'm really enjoying it. Um, there's a lot like Sadie and I were talking a little bit before we started recording. There's a lot that I just don't feel qualified to talk about. I mean, Agreed. there's a lot yeah. that I just am reading and listening. We're, I mean, we're just two white girls. We really don't know yeah. and have any reason to know and don't claim to know and should not be expanding on certain things because what the hell do we know? Honestly? Yeah. It's not, our um, place. but there's, the book is great. Um, there's so much to discuss about it. I'm really enjoying it. And they, I know, did a movie. So we're going to also discuss the movie probably in the second yeah. episode is kind yeah. of what I'm thinking. So hopefully you guys can get a copy and get that read. It's it's a great read. It's not, I mean, it's YA, but it's it's not super challenging in that you can't get through it pretty quickly. But it's also really well worth your time. It's yeah. not like, 
you know, you really do have to pay attention and invest in it. It sucks you in. It's a good novel. Um, and I haven't re- watched the movie yet, but I'm excited to do that too and see. Me too. It's kind of because I really enjoy the characters and this novel. Me too. So I'm excited to see them portrayed on film and like, because I, I really don't, I know about the film, but I didn't, I don't know that much else about it. So hopefully you guys can get a copy of that from your local bookstore. It was, I think, Independent Local Bookstore Day yesterday. I yes. should have posted something yes, about it. Yes, it was. Oh my gosh. I love little, I love bookstores. I do too. Uh, my, one of my favorites, um, the, the go-to local, quote-unquote local bookstore here that's, you know, not a Barnes & Noble. Um, sure. Was, it's called just the bookstore. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, it's in Lenox, Massachusetts. And they actually just barely had somebody do a documentary on them. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I, I love going there. It's very small. It's really cute. And then they have on this, like, side area, they have a tiny, tiny little wine bar. Mm. So oh. you can go grab a glass of Damn wine you. while you browse. Or you can pick up a book. And then they'll have, in the summer, they have chairs outside so you can sip your wine and drink a book. Okay, when we come out to visit you in October, can we... Can we go yes. there? Yes. Oh, obviously. I was planning on it. When okay. I was thinking about okay. all the places to take you when you come to the Berkshires, Lennox is like a must-do, which is, which Perfect. is it's very, like, historical Lennox is very tiny and very cute, and that's where that bookstore is. So I'm definitely planning on taking you there. I can't wait. I'm excited. Yeah, our the bookstore I go to out here in uh, Utah, Salt Lake City, Utah, is the King's English. Mm-hmm. Love it. It's a great location. It's super cute. Um, everyone's so kind. Uh, yeah, I really like it. I just, well, and I think I told you, I sent you that, um, tote bag, but when we were in, um, when we went back out East a little while ago for our paddleboarding trip and we went to the Outer Banks and there's like these five little independent bookstores all along the Outer Banks and we stopped in one and it's just (laughs) so cute. I mean, it was very small, but super cute. They had great selection and, Mm -hmm. um, love it. Love seeing that. Um, what are you drinking? So, I apologize to our listeners right off the bat. Is you might you might hear me cough a few times. Um, I have a cold, so while well, I'm recovering from the flu, I don't have a cold. I'm recovering from the flu, and I have a little bit of a cough left. And so I am just having kind of a makeshift hot toddy, but it is so barely alcoholic. It's just tea. Um, That's fine. <laughs> I put with a little like, with a little kick, <laughs> tiny tiny little kick. But it's really just lemon ginger tea. And a little bit of honey. And then I did like a splash. I did like a splash of bourbon. Yeah. um, In my first glass. But at this point, I'm going through a whole pot. And yeah, it's just tea now. Yeah, it's it's just tea at this point. (laughs) That sounds sounds lovely. Good for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I am drinking uh, a, a Prosecco. It's the brand is It's a Head Snapper. Look how cute my bottle is. That's I'll adorable. Is that one of those it made me th- mini bottles? Yeah, I got this when I was in California last and brought it home. It was like a oh. three pack of a, you know, just the little mini bottles. That's so cute. Um, which is perfect for me because, I mean, honestly, I really only drink when we do this podcast. Well, <laughs> not because right. I'm opposed to it. I just like, and so it's not often that, like, I couldn't really do a whole bottle by myself. So well, it's especially nice to have champagne. these little bottles. Like, especially, like, sparkling wine yeah. where you're supposed to drink the whole thing. So that making yeah. it more manageable like that is smart. 
Yeah, and I the label made me think of Cassandra at the wedding just because purely it's a pretty woman mm. drawn in that style <laughs> on it. Um, and then I put some uh, passion fruit juice in it. So I made Ooh. kind of like passion fruit and the Prosecco, which is, it's really nice. It's sweet, but it's like a natural sweet. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's yeah. not cloying, that sticky sweet. So yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I like the glass that you're drinking out of. Thank you. That's really cute. Yeah. Um, and then real quick, because I've been eating <laughs> a lot of stuff and like good stuff. So I have a couple recommendations yes. of non, we're, we're not doing this on the podcast, but so the first one is called Portrait of a Thief by Grace D. Lee. And okay, it's not my favorite writing wise. I think okay. it's a little, it's a little soapy pulpy for me, but it's really good. It's this. It's like this group of Chinese American like college age kids and they're all uh, children of immigrant parents and they get contracted to steal back these statues. There's seven of them and they're in museums all over the world, the Met in France and Italy that were originally statues in this temple in China Mm -hmm. and the the temple was ransacked and burnt and, you know, it brings up the how much art has been stolen all over the world by, you know, through colonization and then shown in museums, you know, like, oh, now it's owned by the British Museum and it's shown here, but it was stolen from China originally. And so this Chinese billionaire woman pays them to steal back (coughs) all of these artifacts. And it's kind of like they've become like it even talks in the novel about them watching like the Ocean's Eleven movies. It's very heisty. Like they don't have they, yeah, they have no idea what they're doing and they've got to do these heists. But it's good. I think it brings up a lot about like the immigrant experience and their relationships are interesting. The the writing's a little it um it's very like I feel like it's tailor made for just a very wide audience of you don't really have to think too much like it's funny to compare it to Cassandra at the wedding we were talking about last time how there's so much said in what is unsaid yeah um and this novel is not there's so much said in what is unsaid there is so much said to make sure that you (laughs) don't miss anything you know what I mean like you are gonna know exactly what they're thinking because we're going to tell you what they're thinking not let you figure out what they're thinking by just writing what does that make sense but it's but it's really good I'm enjoying it it's like it's fun and it doesn't and it's a very like unique story. Um, so I recommend that. Uh, and then I'm reading a children's Bible by Lydia Millet. Um, it was actually, she's actually a national book award finalist. And this one is good, but I'm having a hard time reading it because it's like too, it's scary to me. So basically oh. it's these set in modern times and it's these families all meet kind of like in the, in the Poconos and rent this house. And it's, these parents who've known each other and then their kids who range in ages from like eight up to 18 and kind of, it's like dystopian, like as they're out on this vacation rental and the kids don't want to be around their parents and they're kind of having fun, but like all this stuff happens and there's floods and, uh, you know, viruses. And it's basically like the world ends and now the kids have got to figure out how to, live and they're not relying on their parents because their parents don't know shit. They don't know what they're doing. They're half the reason the world is in this place is their generation. I'm like, oh, this is too real. Uh, like, I don't like that. <laughs> I, I have a real hard time with dystopian novels because it <laughs> it it just makes me scared of what are we doing to our planet? Like it's too real for I me know, a I little know. bit. I agree. So but it's it's a it's a good I 
it's well done. I'm really, I'm really liking it. She's a great you'll author. Have to, um, you'll have to tell me how it ends because sometimes, sometimes yeah, stories like that can it. end in a way that make me feel good, and sometimes yes. they'll end in a way that I'm just like, okay. Like, Why did I read this? Great. Yeah, I'm hoping it's the first because, yeah, I mean, because it's really well done, but it is a little depressing. And then I read Intimacies by Katie Kitamura. Loved this. It's not huge. I mean, this is one I would pick for the podcast. I'm not going to. Um, yeah. But it's really good. Uh, it was also a National Book Award winner. It was on one of Barack Obama's favorite 2020 run reads, if you care about that, and was like a top That's 10 book. always a good sign. It's really good. It's like about this woman who moves to the the Hague. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Like in the international court. Mm-hmm. She's an interpreter for the international court. And there's not like a huge plot in that there's this something to solve. But like it kind of talks about her and her boyfriend and his ex-wife. There's kind of things that they she has to deal with with that. She has a friend who witnesses like kind of a violent act. Um, and she has to deal with being an interpreter for a former president of another, another country who's there accused of war crimes. And it's just, it's just a very nice, intimate look at Mm -hmm. this woman's life and how it unfolds with other people's lives around her, both on like this huge scale, you know, this like former president of this country. And it's kind of the details are a little vague because it, it doesn't need to be more detailed. So it's just interesting to see how all of these relationships form and the different intimacies. And it's really good. I really, really recommend it. Um, so that's Intimacies by Katie Kitamura. Probably of the three, recommend that. Nice. Look at you. Yeah. You're, you've been just gunning through it. You've been in I, such yeah. a reading phase. Like, I, I mean, not like we're ever in a phase, but like you've just been on, no, on a trailblazing role. And I have lots of opportunity. Like, you know, I take my kid to karate and I read it during karate practice, during piano practice, yeah. like at night. So I'm finding lots of times, like I'm really making a concentrated effort to read as much as I can because I'm really getting a lot out of it. There's just so many books. I know. My, my pile is just continuing to grow. Like part of it is like, I bought all these damn books. I got to read them. <laughs> well, and you're gonna, you get through them. You do read a lot, <laughs> which is um, awesome. I also recommend, there's a Netflix show out right now called Anatomy of a Scandal. I recommend. Okay. You, were you a Downton Abbey fan? Yeah, I watched. I watched it. I wasn't as okay. It's nothing. It's nothing like it. Downton Abbey, but there's an actress that was in it, like Michelle something. She's got the, I think she was one of the stars of Downton Abbey, Michelle Dockery. I think that's her name. She's the brunette. Okay. okay. Um. Anyway, she's she's in it, and Sienna Miller, and I don't know the names of the other actors. It's British. Okay. Um, it's really good aesthetically alone. It's good, and it, it it's soapy, but it's like a good soapy. Okay. Like the. It's really aesthetically pleasing. It's a mini series, so it doesn't go on and on and on. Like the story is a good pace, and but it, you get all you want out of it. Okay, all right. Yeah, so I've, I recommend. I recommend. Good to know. I've needed a new show, but my question is: Have you guys, and are you going to? If you have not already, are you going to watch Under the Banner of Heaven? I knew you were going to bring it up. I was going to bring that up next. Yes. Kendra, can I watch the first episode? So for those of you who don't know, there was this novel that came out in 2003, Under the Banner of Heaven. Oh, what was his name? It's I'm John look Krakauer. Up the author. 
John Cracker. Thank you. And it's about this murder that happened here in Utah, American Fork, I think. Mm -hmm. This woman and her 15-month-old baby were brutally murdered by her two brothers-in-law, and they had, like, a revelation that they needed to murder them as well as a whole list of other people. Yeah. And it really just delves into this, like, family and the Mormon faith and the Mormon history, and it's... um, Dustin Lance Black adapted it. I listened to a really good interview he did on Radio West, okay. which is a great um, NPR. Uh, you should listen to it. Like, just find it on your podcast, like the Radio West. It's really good. Um, they talk with him and, um, oh, what's his name? Andrew Garfield yeah. stars in it. And he's, because he, they did like a screening out here. Um, right. Anyway, yeah, it's good. So we just watched the first episode. I haven't watched the second one yet, but. It's yeah. really good. Did you watch it? It's really good. I, th- I thought so too. Um, I mean, they've got a lot to have to deal with. That's a lot to put yeah. on film because the book's really good. Yeah. So, well, one thing I've found interesting to watch is is like unless you are digesting like Mormon media that's produced by the church, this is to me anyway like the first high um like prestige television show that shows mormon culture and so it's fucking Mm, big love it's a well big okay big love i guess i never watched big love but i will just i i didn't watch it a lot but i will say it is like really fucking weird and eerie watching this show because i've been so far removed from like the way that mormons speak to each other sometimes because we've had people in our family that have left the church like so long ago and then for myself mm-hmm. it's been like 10 years so it's it's kind of a trip to like go back and like I can imagine seeing them yeah. like call each other like brother and sister or like um just like little phrases that they use that I'm like oh yeah like yeah that okay yeah no that is how we talked this is crazy wow okay hmm it's it's just yeah. it's very strange. The whole thing with it's like the true. beards too, you know, like just like crazy stuff that I remember learning, you know, and like one thing that's kind of crazy about this show is like if you it a lot of what it's analyzing is how like Mormon culture and history kind of bred the space yeah. for the these people to to feel justified in what they did for whatever reason. Yeah. And um I just am, like, kind of blown away. Like, it's kind of awkward to watch. Like, Brian and I have been watching it, and we've just been, like, laughing, like, really hard, even though it's not a funny show. It's not funny, yeah. It's not a funny show at all. But just, like, no, but I can little see things why. that they say, we're just like, oh, my God, like, wow, this is such a trip. Is it an uncomfortable laugh? Um, no. Like, we do think it's... Like, it's not the story that's funny, but, like, the, um, just, again, like, little phrases that they use to, in reference to each other or something, or, like, yeah. little Easter eggs we feel like they put in. Like, we, yeah. like, I could mm-hmm. not stop laughing. I guess you haven't seen this part, but there's a part where they reference just a CTR ring, you know, and yeah. he's, like, explaining to his daughter what a CTR ring, which is really explaining to the audience what a CTR reading is because every Mormon knows exactly what a CTR ring is. Right. But, like, it's um, it made me laugh so hard. Like, because I'm like, oh, my God, like, yep, 
I remember those rings. We got one every year in primary. It's like a big thing. It's a big deal. But I kind of like forget about some of that daily stuff um, that you get when you grow up in the church. I totally like it's it's like I spaced half of this stuff. It's like because it's been so far removed from me for so for such a long time. Yeah, I, and I can imagine it's so different for you watching it for than for me. I mean, even like, you know, Kendrick and I have definitely have different. It's kind of like it's not the same, but I can imagine like uh like you know the movie Spotlight. Yeah. That was done about like the the church, the Catholic Church and the pedophilia and all that. Like that for me hit a little differently than I know it did for Kendrick because I mean, mm-hmm. I grew up Catholic and my kids go to a Catholic school. I, I'm not Catholic. I don't believe in that anymore. But it's so kind of interesting to it's just it's sometimes it's really challenging, as we all know, when you're confronted with things to that make you think more about what your community is and what you're a part of and where beliefs come from. And confronting hypocrisies is never fun, both in ourselves and in things that yeah. in, in our families and our societies, but so important to do, right? Like it doesn't, I don't think, I think the show so far, I've only seen that first episode is trying to do it. Cause the, the guy who put it together, David, uh, what's, uh, Dust, Dustin Black, yeah. I'm getting his name wrong, but he, he was a Mormon. He grew up Mormon from Texas though. Yeah. So it's a little different than when you grew up in Utah, but, um, I think he still is trying to do it in a respectful way. He's not like maligning the Mormon no. faith as a whole, oh, no. but also really, you know, it, I think that's hard for people. It's hard. It, we do it with ourselves, right? It's hard to really be accountable and acknowledge your own history and hypocrisies and things you need to work on while still loving yourself, you know? Like, yeah. I, and I think I it's say- the same with, I mean, the thing is, is like, I'm sure it's very different for someone who like went on a mission to watch a show like this. For me, it's not that painful or uncomfortable because like right. all the, all the yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, even your history is different than like your brother's yeah. and like, yeah, yeah like, it's depending on your own experience. Well, and like the, the responsibility of like mm-hmm. uh, the amount of responsibility that I had in the church as a, like up to a 16 year old woman is not like it it doesn't exist yeah so like it's um and the reasons that i left the church were are very pretty much on par with exactly what's being a lot of anyway what's being explored in the show so to me Mm -hmm. i'm like yeah like that's yep yep this is exactly why i left it just is like it clicks um but i can see how um this show, I think, I don't think a lot of Mormons are going to watch it, but I wish that they would because I think that it's not saying anything bad necessarily about them choosing to be Mormon, but I think it's making them confront some of the history that they already know and just looking at it from almost like an outside perspective and like, and I think that that's yeah. important. Like you see the main character of the show who plays the detective um, confront the history that he knows, you know, and yeah. just sees how the stories that he grew up with that he t- were he was taught to um, learn one lesson could be very easily twisted and turned into a completely different lesson Um quote unquote lesson, you know, to, yeah, to justify something. And, um, 
I think that that is important stuff for people to analyze. Yeah. I'm glad it's not I like agree. super uncomfortable for me. It's almost just like cheesily funny, like to hear the way yeah, that they talk. Yeah, I can see that. Well, it's good. I recommend. I'm excited to continue watching it. Um, me too. Yeah, lots I of never, good stuff to... I never read the book, though. Oh, the book's good. I recommend reading the book because the book. I mean, as in most things, there's just so much more in the book, but it's it's really good. I recommend the book for sure. And I'm so excited. There's a new Star Trek series coming out on Thursday, <laughs> you guys. And I'm so excited for this series. I'm just, I, I mean, Sadie and I usually record on Thursdays or we try to. I don't know. That kind of was our thing for a while. Now we just do it as soon as, as, soon as we can. We try really hard to make yeah. this consistent. It's hard, guys. Like, it is hard. I don't know. I'm not, we're not complaining about it. It's not. It's our favorite thing in the whole world to do. We try to be super consistent like every week. But man, life just like. Well, it's just funny how, like, how things just kind of get in the way. Like, like, I'm trying to mute myself whenever I cough, but I'm not going to be able to do it the whole time. But, like. No. But it, even tonight, like, it's so much better for me, like, voice-wise <laughs> yeah, than I you, was yeah. a couple days ago. Like, I would, like, we were trying to record this a few days ago, and it just could not happen. It wasn't going to work. <laughs> was not going to work. I wouldn't be able to get through a sentence. <laughs> But we're planning on recording Thursday, and that's the date. So it's called Strange New Worlds, and it's set on the Enterprise before Captain Kirk has Spock in it because it's with Captain Pike, who was the captain on the Enterprise before oh. Kirk. So, I, But they've already announced a second season with Captain Kirk, so I'm so excited because maybe we'll get to see like Spock and Kirk develop because by the time the first cool. series came out, Enterpri- like the first original Star Trek, you they already had their relationship. So I'm like excited to see... I'm such a yeah, nerd, like but the, I, I'm so excited for this show. Yeah, like the only, as far as like Star Trek canon goes, the only example of like them developing their friendship would be the newer movies, right? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. That's the closest. And so I'm, ex- yeah, I'm excited. And, um, it, and it's episodic, which is kind of very similar to the original series where it's like, you know, each episode, yeah. you're looking at me like you are such a dork. No, I was going to make a joke and, you know, I'm just going to make, make it. it. Nobody's going to get it. it. Nobody's going to get it. I was just going to say, Audra was, isn't the guy who no, plays. No, you can't make it. Okay. Anyway, so now we're going to discuss, <laughs> we're going to discuss move on to Cassandra at the wedding (laughs) we'll be talking with you later sorry y'all it's annoying when people do that but no you are not allowed to make that joke Sadie okay so I I I feel like we got a lot out of our discussion last time of Cassandra at the wedding I hope if you guys hadn't read it it inspired you to at least go read this novelette um but there's still more I, I we didn't get to get to talk about um we left off just about getting to talk about her relationship with her therapist. Yeah, because that was definitely, yeah. Uh, I think that was an inch. It wasn't that big of a, you know, I mean, I think Cassie's, Cassandra's uh, sexuality and her relationship with her therapist was so interesting. And again, just as the rest of the novel, there's so much in what is unsaid. Yeah. Um, which I just love. And I loved, just like I love the dialogue anytime with uh, Cassandra and her sister, I really, with Judith, I really liked the dialogue too with Cassandra and her therapist for, for different reasons. I didn't really like the therapist character that much, even though, really? I mean, yeah, I mean, she, so she, they call her, so Judith 
calls this therapist to find out what she was prescribed, what Cassandra was prescribed. So they kind of have an idea of what to do for her as she has, you know, tried to kill herself. And the therapist ends up coming out to the ranch to see Cassandra. Um, And I, I definitely get the sense of a deep care from a physician level, but you kind of can tell immediately there's, there's more than just a physician caring for her patient. Yeah. There seems to be this, how I interpreted it is their, their relationship probably didn't progress much past an initial, okay, we have feelings for each other. Um, One's an older woman, one's a younger woman, their patient and doctor, like there's all these barriers, right? To them moving forward in some sort of relationship of any kind, not just a romantic, but like they're a patient and a doctor, you know, it's, she's her therapist and that's a, that's a line. Um, but you definitely, there's definitely a sense that there has been movement past that. And it's something that they're both aware of, but trying really hard to not let it be an issue. And I kind of took their, their interaction and when the therapist then leaves and, and leaves the ranch as kind of a very final, like final, they're not going to see each other after this. That's how I took it. How did you, how did you interpret their interaction and their relationship? Um, so my, my impression of it was that there was, I don't think that they had intense feelings necessarily like romantic feelings for each other but I think that there's a lot of physical attraction going on my interpretation of it was that Cassandra was actually kind of like the aggressor and it that, did seem the, that way too and yeah. the, the therapist was maybe a little bit more closeted um I'm not saying like necessarily actually in the closet and not out as a gay woman but like a little bit less comfortable for a lot of reasons but like denying her maybe a little bit like of recognizing those feelings but it doesn't it felt kind of superficial to me because the way that I kind of got it from Cassandra is it felt like and and maybe this is because of some of the information we get from her other relationships too is she just seems kind of like empty and like desperate for like connection but it all still feels like superficial you know, yeah. like she just wants to be touched. She just wants like something. But she wants care. She, yeah. Yeah. I think she wants to be cared and, for. Yeah. I love. So I in my um, edition, it starts on page 199. I think we have the same. Yeah, I think we do. But it's 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 um, right when Cassandra speaks again after she has uh, tried to commit suicide. And we've we're done hearing from Judith. And Vera, her therapist, has arrived and she's stayed with Cassandra. Like she's kind of taken one of the shifts, so to speak, as she has now been saved. Uh, Judith's fiance has saved her, but like she's still recovering. And Cassandra's speaking and she says, sometime that night, very late, I think, maybe morning, but not light yet. Vera Mercer asked me about it, why I chose to go out bare. Because Cassandra was naked as she tried to kill herself. Um, we were in the classic position. 
She in the chair, I on the couch, my bed in this case. She'd been doing the talking for a change, off and on all night, in fact, and I'd been in and out of the world, but more and more in it, hearing most of what she said, which was nothing too imposing, just a human, low-voiced stream of what sounded like free association, possibly to show me how it should be done. But once in a while, she'd throw me a question, which I could either pretend not to hear or else go ahead and try to answer. And when she came to this one, why had I decided to die divested? I made the choice to answer it honestly. Because, I said, I thought I might as well go out with my best foot forward. I'm all I've got. God, this novel is so funny. I know. It's so good. So, so witty. Um, And she says, the bedroom began to throb with mirth. Hers and a little of mine too, but without sound. Only the impulse of it contained. And other impulses with it, beginning to come alive and be remembered. Mm. I'd stormed her house twice. Once she'd shown me the door, and once she'd let me stay. Nicely under sedation in a room at the other end of the continent from hers. But she'd put me into a whirling bath the next morning and given me tea and orange juice with an egg wicked up in it. Such a nice callback yeah. to when she's making, you know, orange juice with an egg whipped up in it earlier in the novel. Yeah. Like, so, this novel's so good. That's where I learned about froth. And we discussed the storm later that week in one of the regular sessions and written it off as a routine phase of analysis to be expected. And I really mm-hmm. like it because I think that with the whole therapist coming to see her and their interactions and your understanding of kind of that there's this history of, you know, lines are being tightrope walked and sometimes crossed. It would be easy to kind of paint Vera as an unsavory in some way. You know, we have such high expectations of kind of those relationships and boundaries in certain settings. And so I think it did a nice job though, for me of painting her as not this like, predator or someone who's unethical necessarily like I interpreted her as Vera's trying to do the best thing she can for her patient genuinely cares for Cassandra then there's this added element of what Cassandra needs why she's even in therapy what her own struggles are and how challenging that must be for both of them and then on the fact of it Cassandra's gay yeah and then and then it's like you probably you get this sense that Vera also has struggles. Bec- you know what I mean? Like it's just yeah. it's so much unsaid, but it's all done so well. And you really get this sense of this history and this care, even though they both, you know, just like Cassandra make does things that maybe aren't great. But at heart, she just wants yeah. to have someone care for her and to be caring for someone. But who who is she and feel that she's worthy of that care? Yeah. You know, by herself without Judith. You know, what's funny is that when you reread that section, it made me kind of rethink some of their interactions. And and it kind of made me think, wow, like, okay, Cassandra has like really severe mommy issues and like different than I think (laughs) different. (laughs) You know, like everybody kind of like jokes about daddy issues, especially like. If you have like a male therapist, I feel like it's a joke, like very Freudian. Sure. Um, yeah. But I think that there is a little bit of that going on here with Vera. There's obviously like an attraction and a sexual side to it as well. But I think like this description, though, too, of like the way that she cares for her when she randomly shows up at her house, there is kind well, of like a maternal sees. aspect of that. Yeah. Yeah. She sees Cassandra and she sees her as separate from her sister. Like it continues on. Um, she says, um, 
you know, did you, did you meet my, oh, she says, I'll never be able to thank him enough. The, the therapist says that about Judith's fiance for mm-hmm. saving Cassandra's life. Mm-hmm. And Cassandra says, then don't try. I said, and don't expect me to. Did you meet my sister? Yes. What did you think? She didn't answer it right off. Then she said it was startling how much we look alike, astonishing at first glance. But after that, I couldn't feel you have anything at all in common. It ends right there. No, I've told you it's still the same. Take her away and I'm half of whatever we are. Like crux of Cassandra right there. Yeah. And then she said there was another wait. I heard her draw a breath. And then she said, no, I was wrong. She's a nice girl, but you're Cassandra Edwards and there's only one. One half. Don't believe it. I know you. From what I spill on the couch, I make most of that up to get your attention. I know that, but after I sort it out, there's still enough left for three or four girls like your sister. You're really quite a girl. There was a change in the air, but I didn't know how much. There was something about the way she said it and a certain charge in the air. At least I thought so. And the world began to look a little different if there could be the smallest possibility here. I mean, like, how powerful. Like, it's like you can sense that in just hearing from someone that is important to her and you know, has, it's like really important that Vera has this position of like authority and, and seeing Cassandra. I think that other element of, of Cassandra, obviously having romantic feelings for her helps in this belief of, okay, I am enough who I am, which is what most of us just need to hear and struggle with, right? Of like, we are enough in just who we are. And I can only imagine how hard that must be as a twin to feel like who you are individually is enough and you are someone outside of being a twin. You know what's interesting, though, about that with Cassandra is that she wants that and at the same time she doesn't because she's constantly cleaving on to her sister. And like, Oh, it scares the shit out of her. Like, yeah, like the idea of being without – like being something outside of her sister – is terrifying to her, but at the same time, it's exactly what she wants to hear from other people. And, and like, I think like some of her, one thing that was kind of, um, hard for me to figure out with her is like where exactly like these insecurities about being separate from her sister come from, because like, as far as, like, my interpretation of her family relationships, like, her dad is kind of, like, just kind of funny. But, like, he's he's not – he he sees her Emo- as – He's a, emotionally unavailable, he's, like, classically. Yeah, he's, um, he's yeah. emotionally unavailable, but he's like, sees her as herself. It's just that he's so turned up in almost the intellectual, like, side of everything yeah. that it's, like, hard for him to have, like, that – strictly emotional yeah it's like we talked about last time he everything is esoteric with him like he is he is in this other realm and it's really hard for them to reach him and i think the idea of him having of him talking to his daughters about the struggles that they have is almost impossible not because he doesn't care or he doesn't love them or he's not capable so maybe saying he's emotionally unavailable isn't the right way to say it but it's like he is just not even on the same planet as they are. Yeah. And I I got the impression that after their mother died, that made it permanent. You know what I mean? Like, he probably already existed in that world a lot. I mean, he's a philosophy professor, for God's sake. Yeah. That retires from being a philosophy professor because he just can't handle the idea of, like, being somewhere. Like, answering to someone. Like, like hilarious. So I'm sure he just, when, how I pictured it, 
again, I love this novel because it gives you so much to work with to make your own backstories for these characters. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, yeah. it gives such a broad world here that without talking about it, like, and I can just, I just pictured, you know, that he probably had this great relationship with his wife. I mean, struggles of course, but yeah. truly loved her. I'll say that like they were very much in love and then his wife dies of cancer and it's just easier to exist in that other realm. Oh, for sure. Where totally... you don't have to connect with people yeah. because you connect with people and then you lose them. And that's the greatest heartache that we all must go through. Yeah. And so he just exists in that plane. And it's so unfortunate because he's got these two daughters that need him. Yeah. And he's there, but only in this one yeah. way. Just interesting. And it's, it's like unreachable. It's an interesting too, though, like... I guess it's I guess in the way that like that her twinness comes into it is just if her father's not there for her as an individual the only person that maybe she feels is is her sister but sure I I also thought it was interesting when they talk about um I think she brings it up when she's talking about the dress and like how she knew her grandma would love like how like how hilarious it is that they got the same dress because her grandma was always trying to dress them up in matching outfits, but her parents, right. their parents never did. Their parents always yeah. stressed their difference, and um, and were pretty adamant about not letting it happen. Not yeah. just that they didn't dress them, but we're like, no, they are not going to dress alike. They're they're going to be their own individual people. Yeah. But it's interesting how even with that, it feels like in a way it was kind of unavoidable for them anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I mean, how could it yeah. not? It'd be so hard to I mean, they're and not only are they twins, but they're, they're identical. identical. Yeah. And they're both women and they're both women in a certain time period when it was yeah. hard enough for women to be their own people anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they've got a lot stacked against them, but all but all things that, you know, it's it's all double sided. Right. Which goes with the whole twin thing. It's like they have it's such a challenge that they're twins and that makes it harder for them to be their own people and find what they need and separate. You know, Judith has just as much of a struggle with the fact that she's getting married and has this person that she loves so much. And how Mm -hmm. does she extricate herself enough from Cassandra and that world to give more of herself to this person that she loves and wants to start this new life with? I mean, that's a huge struggle and, all sorts of things coming up for Judith with that. And then with Cassandra, she's quote losing her sister, but wants to be on her own. Like it's just such a double sided coin. Yeah. And well, it's like, like they don't, there's no, they, they don't know what they want in a way. Like it's, it's like impossible for, I think anyway, for Cassandra to decide because she, I think knows that she needs to move on and, like find herself and I think she does want that but like I think that she knows that in order to do that she has to like take responsibility for her individualness Mm -hmm. and like for her life and her choices and like figure out more about what she wants and um and that's hard. I mean, it's hard to take responsibility for 100% of your decisions. <laughs> and, like, and we all should. But, like, sometimes yeah. it's easier having someone to make decisions with than have yes. literally only yourself to, yes. like, consider. I don't know. That's, yes. that's, a, that's a scary thing. I think about it even just, like, what it would be like to leave a serious relationship, you know? Like, yeah. Um, 
There's a dependency be, that develops yeah. no matter what. And it can be, I, I think there's a scale, right, of, of the level of healthy yeah. attachment, dependence, however you want to call it. And it's, it's, it's always challenging when that ends. And I can, like you said, even just like in a serious relationship, that's, that's really challenging, you know, but as a twin, I can imagine like, but yet needs, needs to happen. You can tell how not good it is for both Judith and Cassandra to be where they are right now. Not that it always has been, but you can tell it's like, it's at the point. I kind of, I kind of, uh, um, aligned it with like that idea of, you know, with like children, it's like you want your children, for me at least, I want my children to, of course, depend on me and need me and want me and like to take care of them. But then there's going to come a certain time where yeah. that needs to change in their need. Like I still want them to need and depend on me, but it's a different kind. You know, I don't want them to yeah. still need me and depend on me in the way that they do now. It needs to change, mm -hmm. but I still want it to be there. And they probably still will too. Yeah. But it needs to change. And sometimes that change doesn't come, you know, like that level, it doesn't evolve. And I think that that's hard because then sometimes we course correct. Right. And it's like, like to me, a course correction with that with children is like, nope, you're out of the house 18. I'm doing nothing for you. I'm not supporting you in any way. Like you're on your own and not to, to judge however people parent. I'm just saying, I think sometimes we, in an yeah. effort to keep that evolution going, we maybe overcorrect. And I think that there's a lot of overcorrection in this novel between Cassandra and Judith. Like they both want the same thing. They don't know they want the same thing. And so they, of course, they just overcorrect. I mean, my God, Cassandra's ready to pretend to be Judith to go break up with Judith's fiance oh for she's, Judith. She's I'm like, so funny. Like, <laughs> what the hell? Well, that, and then also, <laughs> I mean, also too, like, it's sad to think about being in this position, but even like her suicide attempt is similar to that. I think it's, yeah, it's like, of course it's an overcorrection, it's an overcorrection it's like, of like not seeing anything else, like literally like would like preferring to be dead than like deal with being alone, <laughs> you know? And also there's, there's some, how I interpret it at least is there's still that element of like manipulation of Judith. Yeah. You know, I mean, how she sets everything up. I, yeah. There's definitely still this, like, how I interpreted it is she just is at her wit's end, but isn't well, ready to let go. It seems like a really desperate attempt. Yes. At, like, one last... It's hard because I, I don't want to call Cassandra, like, attention-getting because we love no, Cassandra. No, I don't either. I don't. Like, we well, are, and I don't think that's the case. I think she wants attention in that we all want attention and maybe yeah. her a little more than others, which I can see from their family dynamic. I mean, they all seem, like, very smart, witty, interesting people, and sometimes that's challenging to be in, yeah. like, a family like that, I could imagine. I mean, you can tell how much they look up to their father and yeah. value his opinion and his approval. Their grandmother, they very much care for, value her opinion and her approval, even in being able to see their faults and kind of tease them about it or mock yeah. it or, but you can tell 
there's always still that layer of, I very much admire, very much care. They obviously are still deeply grieving their mother. It's like they want all this connection, but they all just seem to have such a hard time of really finding out how to make it a meaningful one. And so there's kind of just this constant like back and forth of, I want your attention. I don't want it. Not like this, but I really want it. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's like they just don't know quite how to Well, it's, it's exactly like what we it. talked about, too, like, last time of how Cassandra, like, wants it now that she doesn't have it. Because when they were, were living together and they were spending all their time together, she would, like, leave the house. And she would just not come home. Yes. And Judith was yes. the one who ended up feeling, like... Yeah. She she abandoned. Abandoned. And so it, she was the one it's it's funny. It's like she went through this exact process that Cassandra's going through a year earlier mm-hmm. by herself. Like And she evolved it or she took care of it by moving. Yeah. Starting a new life, meeting her fiance. It's like, yeah, they they both had the same issues and handled it in very different ways. <laughs> and yeah. are now and but because they didn't communicate necessarily, because it because we're all don't know what the hell we're doing with that. Right. They didn't communicate it with each other in a way or like really at all. So they're just both kind of floundering, like trying to figure <laughs> out how to uh, how to both reach the same finish line. Yeah. But like totally going about it in not great ways. And uh, yeah, it's it is it's so it's so relatable and so realistic without being in their situation. You know what I mean? Right. Like this, this exact situation might not happen to almost anybody, but it is fun and interesting and also like, like you said, relatable to listen to and to read. Like it's these, these codependent family relationships, I totally 100% understand. And also I think like the jealousy too of like seeing, Mm -hmm. um, someone new come in the family and have like attention taken attention taken is like a weird thing to deal with although it's i mean cassandra's an adult so she should be handling it probably better but like i remember just when i was a kid when like that would happen and like i think i've i've told this story on the pod before but like how i sobbed like while i was running down the aisle at my sister's right, while your sister wedding. got married. Yeah, or like, yeah. or even my, I remember when my cousin Katie um, got married, she, I, I probably was like eight or nine or something when she got married. And if not younger, if not younger. Um, but she, you know, she brought home Chad, like her husband for me to meet. And Katie and I were like really, really, really close when I was really little. Mm-hmm. And um, he tried so hard to, like, get on my good side. Like, he tried, yeah. like... To have a relationship with To have you. a relationship yeah. with me. Like, he, he came over to my grandma's house, and he sat down, and he just, like, tried to talk to me. And I'm, like, a kid, and he's, like, a, a grown man, like, trying yeah. to talk to a kid. Like, he was really trying. He was trying to, like, read a book with me because he knew I liked to oh, read. Sweet. And I was just, like, not into it. I was, I'm having like, none of it, yeah. I was, like, you're a loser. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> Yeah, this is not happening, buddy. Yeah. And obviously, like, now we have a great relationship, and I'm so glad that everything, like, worked out. But it is funny, like, get, having new people join a family is both 
like it is always rewarding in my experience it has always been rewarding and it's always been amazing yeah. like you for example like well, amazing but aw. it is it is like a f- weird like it is a it is a process, you know, like, and I feel this like joining Brian's family. It is a process, like getting yeah, to certain is. points of comfortability. And I love, I love how in the novel, how Judah's fiance is a great guy. Oh my God. He the, he's, he's the best. He's loving. He's kind, but he's not like, he's very much his own person. He's got his own stuff going on. I mean, he saves Cassandra. Like it's that in and of itself is funny. Her trying to kill herself is not funny. I'm not saying that. But the fact that, like, she does and there's all this tension about about this fiancé and he's the one that saves her as she's naked and, like, has never met her. This is how they meet (laughs) is him saving her life as she's naked and, like, the fan... And, like, it's just all so absurd in the most human way I agree and and I think it's I just I love it it's even funnier when like if we're if we're I can't remember if they talk about it but like if we're going under the assumption that like Judith and him and him like were like following the standards of the time and like had not had sex then like the first then like the first time that he's seeing his her nude nude, it's not even her it's his sister that's such a good point. I didn't even think about that. That's totally true. Like, what it, whether they have or they haven't, it's really funny if you think about it. It's funny either way. Like, but his, it's like on his wedding night? This is him seeing his wedding. It is, and it is their wedding night because they got married before they came to the house, yeah. like, secretly. Like, oh, I'm telling you guys, like, <laughs> we could probably go on about this novel forever. We won't because we have other things to get on with with our lives, but it's yeah. so good. I. I cannot recommend enough like reading this and getting a copy. And uh, it really did feel like this little gem uh, to be unearthed. Um, I really, really enjoyed this novel. Like this is definitely one that I will continue to recommend to other people and like reread. And I definitely want to reread it. it. I like I definitely want to reread it because especially because we didn't even talk about like so much stuff. Like I think there's a lot in here about like art and like about yeah. like coping mechanisms and um there's so much symbolism in this book too like the discussion around bridges it starts at a bridge it ends at a bridge mm-hmm. and like i liked that because like there's uh, to me a bridge like has so many unfortunately like suicidal connotations in my brain yes. you know but yes. i liked that the bridge in this book i thought was was it like it's its role was as like a transition you know and this book is about a woman who's in a a very like stressful transition you know of Mm -hmm. of basically like there's a lot of crossing over you know she's crossing over to get back to this world that her family lives on in this ranch which really does come across as its own isolated little utopian bubble it's not a utopia but they kind of it is to them in a way yeah and it's you know their mother is is dead and so there's also this like this is where they are still connected to their mother in kind of those more physical ways because their father's there their grandmother's there her study you know the whole thing about judith being married where her mother wrote her novels and Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I know. There's just so much. I know, like to talk about. 
like, uh, like, <laughs> like, I want more time. Like, Cassandra, like, all this stuff that we were talking about with her relationship with her sister and this, like, this, this conflicting feeling that she has about, like, wanting to be separate from her sister but also wanting to be her sister, I think is, like, the exact same thing that she's going through as far as, like, wanting to be a writer and wanting to be like yes. her mother but separate from her mother but not compared to yes. her mother but she wants to be a lot like her mother. And, and yes. like, how she can't decide, she can't make the move to pursue art and to pursue her writing because of these conflicting feelings that she has. And I think it's like it's just so perfectly mirrored without even going really into it like how she's feeling with her sister. And these oh, yeah. different like, sides it's of obvious her that, identity. Yeah. It's almost like having a twin, being this identical twin has set her up to find similar relationships. Like not twin relationships, but that idea of being connected and having that be part of your identity, like, you know, it's part of her identity that she's an identical twin. It's part of her identity that her mother was a writer, yeah. you know, all these things. But then also and wanting that because that's part of her, but wanting to not have it define her. I think that element of finding ways. I mean, I can imagine how challenging it must be to have a parent that is very successful, whether that's because they're well known or because they're really good at, yeah. you know, something like being the the child of a musician, of an artist. Like, I'm sure it's like that for a lot of things, a doctor, anything where they're, right. they've really hit this pinnacle of something. And you are also wanting to hit pinnacles in that field and having it be part of who you are. But then all you need to all want to do is break away from that identity of being like so-and-so's kid. Right. You know, but then, but then it's like, you want so much to be not, you want it so much to be more than that, that you're like, I feel like she's holding herself back from like yes. her own opportunities potential. and like potential. Yeah. yeah because is especially because like, I think it's complicated by the fact that her mom's dead. It's one thing to be like, it's hard enough to be compared to a parent who's alive to judge you and compare you. Um, yeah on themselves but then when you're dealing with like a dead the legacy, parent my god <laughs> the legacy yeah. of a dead parent and like we all know like dead people get put on pedestals and i'm not meaning that in an insensitive way no i know what you're like, saying though it's do. it's it's yeah they do you remember as one should yes all of yeah. these good things and yeah it's hard to and then and that's it there's no new things that are going to come up to there's no new information. There's no new evidence. There's no it it's yeah. That's who they are. Yeah. And and it may not be reality, but it's your reality now. And yeah. Reality is really hard. It is, but I also, you know, I also think too is like like I kind of joked about Cassandra's mommy issues, but I think that she like is desperate for a connection to her mother without being compared to her mother. But I think, like, I think writing and I think exploring that passion that she does have and she desperately wants to to pursue, mm -hmm. I think that would connect her to her mother. Like, the writing process, course, yeah. the stress of the process, the stress of, like, figuring out mm -hmm. what you want to write about. Like, I think that, like, that is something that could be of really big value to her to find a healthy way of connecting yeah. with another person um, without making it, like, a fight. 
you know, or like well, and I'd like I'd like to imagine that that happens. You know, I, I think too. the book yeah. ends on a very hopeful, yeah, hopeful note, but in such a w- well done way. Like it's it's hopeful in a very realistic, like you know, life goes on, but it's it's still very empathetic towards both yeah. sisters. I think it's it's very hopeful, but without saying, yeah, it's all going to work out just fine. Mm-hmm. It's like. They are, it is set up to, and yeah, I think that the characters show growth in the novel just in this short time. I mean, because really, there's not a lot of time that passes in this novel. Oh, no. And I think there's a tremendous amount of growth shown from the characters in this short amount of time. And I think that is hopeful because really... Yeah. Without us all being able to grow and evolve and change, there's no hope for any of us. And so it's so nice to see that and it's believable. Um, and so it, it it ended very hopeful for me, which is just so interesting to think about. You know, it's this novel where the one of the main characters tries to kill herself. Yeah. But it, it ends in such a hopeful way that's also realistic and, and believable. And like, I, I want to know what happens to them but I'm not like oh I wish it wouldn't have ended here you know what I mean like it's a perfect ending and I have all the information I need to like decide where I think these characters go and be happy with it and be like I feel very I feel like the novel is very fulfilling it gives you like all the things and it's just so nicely done and put together and the ending is nice and hopeful and ties in, like you said, starts with the bridge, ends with the bridge, and like, yeah, it, it wraps up very nicely, but in a way that doesn't feel rushed or un, um, like it feels true, yeah, I agree. to the characters and and it feels true to the story, and it's not um, and it's not super neat. That's like I think what you mean by true too yeah. is like it's it seems like realistic, like okay. Realistically, yeah, they'd go back and there'd be a wedding, and then she has to go back to like San Francisco, and um, yeah, life goes on. But I think that just as much as like I think we're given enough to feel hopeful and to imagine this future for these characters, I think that they're given, um, or I think Cassandra anyway shows like an acknowledgement of what it is that she needs to do or what she needs to get over to move forward. Mm -hmm. And I think her just even, like, acknowledging that, like, I think she even acknowledges um, what she needs to do to be able to write. Like, I think she says, um, the things that get in your way, the indignities you have to suffer before you're free to do one simple, personal, necessary thing like work. If it has to be a quarter-inch thick, you hawk a guitar, and when the supply runs out, hawk something else. And no matter what you have to part with to do it, you hang on the hope of painting a good picture someday, and in time others. That's painters, but for me it was pretty much the same thing. I could never write any of this until I could tear up the pawn ticket on the ghost of my mother. It's a different order of hawking, but it comes to to the same thing. Don't lean, stand up, find a way. And I think that that is exactly, like, her knowing that, like, she would never... I mean, I guess... Do you read that ending as in she wrote this book? And that Cassandra is, like, writing this in the future? No, I didn't, but I did read it as, like... 
she has the capability to, yeah. you know, I mean, we learned yeah. about her in the beginning is that she's like writing a thesis on French female novelists, but what she really wants to be doing is being, and they're, they're French female novelists that are like her age. Yeah. You know, but contemporary she, and, but she, what she really would want to be doing is writing novels. And so I took it as not that like, this is hers, but like she now has that capability. Like that, that's a possibility. That's a possibility now that it, is much closer to becoming true than it was before, like at the beginning of yeah. the novel yeah. is how I interpreted it. Yeah. Yeah. I, she's such an interesting character because she's so, and I think I love that we got to hear Judith speak. I really love that that was a part of it because at first glance, Judith seems like more the boring one. Yeah. I mean, and I think Cassandra is, she's the more domineering twin. She seems to have just, she's so vibrant and has all this strength, but I think it's in the afterwards, um, they talk a little bit about how Cassandra's like this person who has a chef, right? Like that makes five star meals, but can't boil her own egg. So like if yes. she doesn't have the chef, she's not eating. Like it's yes. not only that she can't cook, but she won't eat. She will just starve. And Judith is like, can make herself an egg and it may not be much yeah. and it may not be fancy, but she can cook her own eggs and she will not starve. And one is more boring, quote, boring, you know, than the other, but they both have their own resiliency and strength. And, and it's just, it's interesting. Um, And so I think, you know, and I think it ends the same too, because Judith has talent musically, you know, the whole thing with the piano, that's Judith, that's the musician. And so I think it, I think it sets both twins up at the end of, they are farther along in their ability to now, express themselves artistically than they were before in that they're they've like kind of created this this separation from depending on each other but embraced that they're connected you know it's like it's it's like their their ability to communicate with each other has like unlocked the door for them to be able to communicate in all sorts of different ways that they wouldn't yes. have been able to communicate to do in general. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause obviously that's a struggle. I mean, their father's not a great communicator. Their grandmother's not a great communicator. I mean, yeah. they can't even tell their grandmother that Cassandra is like, like, you know what I mean? Like right. she can't even say this, like, and not because Judith's not capable, but it's almost like because her grandmother's not capable of receiving that. Yeah. And so they've learned that there's a lot of times that they just, they don't actually communicate what needs to be communicated, not because they're not capable of it, but because it's not, it's just not feasible. It's just not what you're going to do. And yeah. so I think that they make that growth in being able to communicate with each other, with themselves and with the world. And therefore they'll, they're this much closer. Yeah. So that, I think that's why I didn't take it as like Cassandra wrote this because I'm like, she's still got some work to do. Like there's still, it's true. It's true. There's still, she's farther along on this path. She's more equipped on this path. But she's still got to walk the path, which is part. Yeah. I, what's why I love the ending because it's that's what I mean by it's realist. It's hopefully realistic. Yeah, or realistically hopeful. Realistically hopeful. <laughs> I think that's how it should be said. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, she's 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 crossed the bridge, but she's like she's just at the beginning of her path. Like yes, and I think that's and I think that's always a hopeful place to start, especially if they know that's do, where they yeah. are. Like that's the di- I, I do too. that's the biggest thing is I think she knows where she's at now. Yes, which is a much more secure and safe feeling 
even if it's not where you want to be, you know where you are. Yeah. Just like with, you know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. I loved this. This well, is such a fun. I did too. Such a fun find. Honestly. Yeah, it was great. I really enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. If you didn't read it, please read it. It's so good. It's so worth your time. Um, I really, really liked it. So I hope you all did too. Uh, remind everybody our next book, Sadie. So again, our next book is going to be The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. And yeah, our discussion on that one is going to be probably a little different than how we usually get into it. But I think that um, this book is an important read and um, everybody should pick up a copy. It's it's fantastic so far. Yeah, I'm also still trying to figure out why the hell it was banned. Why the hell um, it was I was going to do some more... Re- yeah, I mean, I know why it was banned, <laughs> but I don't know why it was banned. Do you know what I mean? So we're gonna—I'm yeah. gonna do some more research on that because I would like to have some actual facts to give you about like where and yeah. it would be interesting to discuss that. So we'll probably talk about that a little bit, which will probably devolve—not devolve—evolve into <laughs> conversations about banned books yeah. in general. Um, so yeah, so hopefully you guys enjoy that conversation. The hate you give—I'm already really, really liking this book. It's a great read, so definitely go pick up a copy. This one would not hard to find, um, even though it's been banned some places not hard to track down funny how that works um so yeah thanks guys and just again we really love doing this we appreciate everyone that listens this is so fun for us so hopefully you guys enjoy well and hopefully you're enjoying reading the books because that's like we just love it so we do we do okay well thanks everybody talk to you next time bye